Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Kratom Guy Shoot. I'm your host, Mike Overstreet, the Boston Kratom Guy. Welcome back, episode number 17. Have I got another jam-packed show for you guys today because we got the big push from the FDA trying to get the World Health Organization to what's being called internationally banned Kratom and what that can mean and what you should do to get your comment included on there because they are accepting comments but it looks like there's going to be another comment period so i'm going to get into all that later on in the show and an awesome interview with brian gallagher from kratom science so hhs is above the fda it's all the executive branch department of health and human service the fda falls under them so hhs can overrule them which is exactly what brett gerard did when he was the assistant health secretary. That's the head of the HHS, I think. So he rescinded the recommendation for a ban, and that's where we're at now. I had brought Brian back on to discuss the FDA seizure in Florida of 207,000 units of dietary supplements, Kratom, and over 34,000 kilos of bulk Kratom what the feds are estimating is up to $1.3 million of products that the US Mar- that the FDA had the U.S. Marshal steal from a company in Florida. So I had Brian on to discuss just how this all ties in together. The seizure, the import alert uh, 5414, which essentially they wrote for themselves, which gives them carte blanche. It's supposed to be for very specific products from very specific companies and they're using it just as a blanket statement to try to ban all kratom if it's dare to be sold as a dietary supplement so i had him on to because he just wrote a really great article going over the seizure and how this import alert 5414 has been used for years and then we had the former head of hhs dr greer uh, basically calling out Gottlieb, after he posted this article on Twitter about the flimsy evidence and the impact on public health it would have if Kratom were to be banned. So we get into all that and how this ties back into when that HHS letter was put out in 2018 that nobody knew about until recently. Gruyer was the one, Dr. Gruyer was the one that wrote the letter and rescinded the ban. We have Scott Gottlieb posting the day of talking shit about Twitter, talking shit about Kratom on Twitter, but nobody knew about this letter on this day. But Gottlieb sure, sure did. So we get into all that, and I talked to Brian. Great interview. And then in the meantime, when I'm putting this show together, we got the FDA basically asking the WHO to add Kratom to their list that they will be discussing at an international drug scheduling convention on psychotropic substances which apparently this has been happening since like the 60s or 70s so that happened in the meantime and then i got a bunch of other news stories to get through personal updates business updates gonna get into all of it thank you so much for joining us so i got the interview with brian coming up in the second half of the show and i'll get into all the details of what's happening with the fda the who the un is involved Got an article from Marijuana Moment that discusses this in further detail. I got the actual text from the bill and what's written on the Federal Register. The latest from the AKA and how you can comment. Massachusetts lawmakers met. I didn't even know about this. I got to set up my my alert from Legiscan. Massachusetts lawmakers discuss bill to create psychedelics legalization task force. So I get into all the details 
about that hearing they had and that bill text, which that's a good one. Thailand is making its final move to fully decriminalize Kratom. It says August 24th, it's going to be free to grow and they're going to be putting out a whole export system. More alleged Kratom related deaths and weird shit in the news. And apparently Sante Labs, they have claimed to be the first to create a Kratom full panel test to test not just the two major alkaloids, but seven different alkaloids. They're claiming to be the first ever full panel test. We're going to be getting into all that plus much, much more. Brian's interviews in the second half timeline is in the description. But first, let me tell you guys about this week's sponsor. I'm so excited to have Organic Kratom as our sponsor for today's show. Plus, they'll be giving away a $100 gift card to one lucky listener later on in the show. So tune in after Creative News and Current Events. I'll tell you all about that. Right now, they are offering an exclusive deal for all of you guys, the listener, to save 10% off by either following the referral link in the description or using the coupon code KratomGuy at checkout. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you guys know that I'm very serious about my Kratom and only promote the brands we know, love, and trust. Organic takes all the boxes you want for a trustworthy Kratom company. Not only do they have excellent products that I tried, all their products are 100% organically grown. They work closely with organic farmers who adhere to strict protocols including eco-friendly farming practices, proper drying techniques, and continually monitoring the growing conditions of individual plant health. That means never any fillers, additives, synthetic substances, All their capsules and powder are vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, preservative-free. We're talking just 100% pure Kratom. All of their Kratom powders are tested by third-party labs to ensure their products meet the highest standards for purity and overall quality. They also accept Zelle, Visa, MasterCard as payment options, as well as crypto. Organic Kratom, organic, raw, natural. And this would be a good time for a small disclaimer that neither myself nor any of my guests are medical professionals. Nothing we say should be considered medical advice, and you should always seek the advice of a physician or medical professional before taking anything. Any copyrighted material is used under fair use for education or criticism. Enjoy the show! So I'll go into a quick business update, everything I got going on with Mass Herbal, and then onto my rants and everything that's been going on that got a lot of stuff that didn't even make it into the news segment and just some some stuff I've been thinking about that I'd really like your feedback on. But first, I just wanted to thank you again for, for listening and everyone who's been writing in or purchasing from Mass Herbal or, you know, get yourself a t-shirt. But sincerely, thank you to you person listening right now really without you guys listening sharing liking subscribing this this show would never happen and then we wouldn't have such great sponsors like organa and then i couldn't get you guys the news so thank you thank you so much for listening you can call or text 617-917-5242 617-917-5242 you don't have to purchase kratom for me or can be reached at uh at Kratom Guy Show at Gmail if you're interested in becoming a sponsor or a guest on the show or if you just want to talk Kratom you don't have to purchase Kratom if you just want to talk Kratom you got some questions anything I'm happy to chat I might not be able to answer immediately but I will get back to you check out our YouTube we're going to have a lot more stuff coming on our YouTube after this episode 
Twitter is at Kratom Guy Show. Instagram is at really Mike O. Still canceled over there. I haven't made another one. And we got our Patreon. If you want to support us in, on Patreon, especially if you want to see more FOIA requests or public records requests. So our big update for Mass Herbal is it is temporarily shut down. Wanted to finish up this episode and restructure some things. But we will be reopening next week. We're going to be liquidating a bunch of our stock to make way for all third-party vendors. So look out for a bunch of items that are going to be on clearance. And we're making this big switch so I can stop selling Kratom myself and concentrate more on the show and advocating. And at the same time, we'll be able to work together with the great small businesses and be able to support each other. If you're a regular purchaser of Mass Herbal, I am working on getting you some of the best quality dry leaf powder that I've been able to find that is not from our vendor. So somebody here domestically and hopefully for an even better price. And when we reopen, we'll have all of the Kratom Leaf US products backlisted on the site. They got everything from from clippings. They now have rooted clones along with Kratom seed pods if you want to try to grow. They also ship fresh leaf. If if, now, listen to me very carefully. You order this fresh leaf, it's very important to not chew it. I chewed it and I really enjoyed it, but I'm going to sell it on the site. And if you chew it, that would be a food or a dietary supplement. And we know from import 54 or 14, it is not that. So you may have the leaf. Do not chew it. Got those leaves on the site. We also started accepting Bitcoin. We, we can accept it, but we haven't gotten any, any of those payments. And I was going to do this later on in the show, which I am required to. Um, but I think it's really great. So I'm going to do it right now too. tell you guys about it. Organa, our new sponsor, is going to be giving away a $100 gift card. So I announce it later. But if you decided to stick around right now, instead of skipping, OrganaKratom.com slash TheKratomGuyShow. OrganaKratom.com slash TheKratomGuyShow. Fill out your name, email, that's it. You're entered to win a $100 gift card. We're going to be giving away that gift card on episode 20. Yeah, enter to win there. And then they also have the, the coupon code. That follow the, for now, if you'd like to purchase from there, follow the referral link in the description or enter the code KratomGuy at checkout. That's OrganaKratom.com. That pretty much does it with business update. There is so much to get through. So I'm going to try to keep this quick because I think I did another hour of news and then Brian's interview is about an hour. So I'm going to try to keep it, keep it short. But I would like to say, man, if I haven't said it, I realize I haven't even put it out there, but... What I think, you might, you might hear Eli in the background. It's feet in time. It doesn't like to be burped. Put it out there that I think the most amazing thing would be to have a holistic health center where people come and after they've been medically detoxed, they come and essentially learn the ways of different herbal, plant medicine, emphasis on medical cannabis and kratom, holistic health, learning how the, the whole body works as one, yoga, healthy diet, probably like a paleo or keto diet, all organic or non-GMO. Because I see people, I see people getting so well using medical cannabis and Kratom. And that's just the start of it. You, you put it together with a whole holistic health plan. So if anybody knows a way, we can, we can do that. We can do that as a community, get together. That would be the ultimate goal is to have some type of health center, a recovery center. The Brian Gallagher interview is great. I do have to apologize because... We did get a new router, so that was before we had our old router, so it's a bit choppy at places, so if it breaks up a little bit, that that's what's going on. I just cut out some of the, the parts that were choppy. And we were talking about the new HHS head, B, 
being from Pennsylvania and being known as a cannabis, uh, medical marijuana, medical cannabis advocate. So I was hoping that she would be going with the old head of HHS about what to do about Kratom. And apparently she said, we're going to be going with the FDA. And then we also get into, Brian said there should be a lawsuit the somebody should sue the FDA for for doing these for import alert 5414 and doing these raids and apparently that's exactly what's happening so but that's another story that did not make it in so I'm going to note it to talk about next time but apparently they are suing saying that this is not a new dietary ingredient so I had a whole bunch of other stuff I was going to talk about but the, the main story is the World Health Organization I do get into all that a little bit later but what I wanted to talk about was which I'm not going to link to it because it's too much time and effort to actually go through both all the supporting documentation. But the Kratom Herald, and I didn't know apparently, is this one guy that runs it, has put out some stuff that I don't fully believe was vetted or um, kind of sloppy work, in my opinion. So I don't really follow him, but apparently he put out this article, these couple articles, and then immediately. AKA and Mac is replying about how it's all untrue and unfounded. And again, I'm not going to link to it, but you know, that, that basically causing discourse in the, in the community and trying to tear up the community and all this stuff. What he wrote about and which I was planning on getting to next episode, but I'm going to be following this uh, world health organization, FDA attempt on international ban closely some of the information that he wrote about, and I don't know if it's necessarily the information or it's the questions that are prompted by the information. So we know that the head of the Natural Products Association has been instrumental in speaking out about banning Kratom, allegedly, apparently helped to write that import alert, and has been basically requesting that the FDA to schedule Kratom. So part of that article was come out that Mac Haddow has a lobbying group with his brother called Upstream. From my understanding, both Upstream and Mac as an individual has been working for both the AKA and the NPA to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So Mac and AKA put out this huge uh, response, basically refuting the information I did put it in the group that I was like, I don't, I don't, I was like looking at it. It looks all pretty factual supported by supporting documents. Does anybody have anything that's, that's, that's different? And Mac actually contacted me in that Facebook post and he was like, here's my number. Contact me anytime. So I was going to be contacting him to set up a zoom interview to talk about all this stuff. But then all this other stuff happened and the guy that runs the Kratom Herald has started the Kratom Federation, and it's supposed to be, uh, he says it's not a competing association. The AKA calls it a competing association. But what this all made me think about, and I've been thinking about it for years, is, is it an issue for an industry to rely on a single advocacy group? In my opinion, yes, it really is. So what would be the main issues? What I think is, I see there's other areas of Kratom that should be supported that maybe the AKA doesn't specialize in. And I do see the need for the AKA. How they come in, they meet with politicians and other lobbyists and, you know, get stuff done. But if there was other advocacy groups, maybe more could get done. Maybe different things could get done. And my second question is, if a advocacy group, now I don't know this for the AKA, I haven't looked into it, 
But if a advocacy group, so I'm not speaking about the AKA, just in general, if an advocacy group relies on the majority of their contributions come from industry donations, and the main thing they do is lobby, are they a consumer advocacy group or are they an industry lobbyist group? I don't know. But back to my first question is, in my opinion, there should be more than one advocacy group. This meeting that's coming up in G- Geneva in October, apparently you have until August 9th to get your signature in. And I go into all that detail in the, the first story of the news and current events. But that's supposed to be a closed meeting. But they, they said interested parties that interested parties that want to present can submit their stuff and they gave an email. So I think it'd be closed unless you can de- be determined as an interested party. But should AKA be the only ones showing up for that? I think there should be more groups. Because what I see is there's many other areas that um, Kratom consumers are benefiting from Kratom and other people might be able to benefit from. And we have issues like criminal justice around Kratom. You know, we have states that have banned it, that are holding people captive, that have robbed, extorted them, did home invasions and armed robberies on, on these people, all for the possession of the dried tea leaf Kratom. Again, I think cops should be the most pissed about this being told that they have to do this. Don't go along with it. Stop fucking going along with it. Violently attacking people for plants. But I believe we should have a criminal justice around Kratom. Some people that could fight these these legal battles. I mean, I think we could get some of these bad laws reversed through jury nullification where these bans could be challenged in court. A legal team that defends people like legal team that would be involved with the the lawyers that are representing the company from Florida that just had all their Kratom seized, over a million dollars worth of Kratom. There's also the issues of addiction and chronic pain patients and harm reduction. So the AKA does a great job for what they do. But do you feel like you're being represented fully? Are there other subjects that you could do something about? So just some things that I've been thinking about. You know, I don't think one group having a monopoly on anything is is good for any industry so what do you think you guys know that i love hearing from you guys hit me up on twitter or you know the various ways i said to get in contact with me or send me an email phone phone call 617-917-5242 and let me know i think there should be more than one advocacy group no matter what industry it is and should there be maybe more local groups where people can organize locally maybe i'll start a boston kratom association I think in that case, we would need like a few different Kratom industries. Maybe I'll start a mass herbal association. Hey, so that, that's just some of the stuff I've been thinking about. I'm not going to go too long on the intro because we have so much to get through. So stick around or skip ahead to a Brian Gallagher interview in the second half. And then coming up next is Kratom News and Current Events. All right, Kratom news and current events. So I have a bunch of stories to get through, but the biggest thing that's happening right now is, I think it's only three weeks away, August 9th, the FDA is going to be presenting a list of drugs for the World Health Organization to look at to enact international bans. And if it sounds Orwellian, it is. It is. It's so crazy. So, and, and 
I don't even know where to where to begin with this story. But essentially, the I guess I'll start with the Federal Register. The AKA has stuff come out on this. They're making their own portal to collect signatures. But essentially, the FDA is going to be going to the World Health Organization Convention on Psychotropic Substances. So this is from the federalregister.gov. The United States is party to the 1971 Convention of Psychotropic Substances. Just stop. This thing was made in 71 when the drug war started. Article 2 of the Psychotropic Convention provides that if a party to the convention or World Health Organization has information about a substance, which in its opinion may require international control or change in such control, it shall so notify the Secretary General of the United States, UN Secretary General, and provide UN Secretary General with information in support of its opinion. Paragraph D2A of the CSA, blah, blah, Title II, Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act of 1970. We're still following drug laws from the 70s. Apparently, we're now following international, I guess since the 70s, we're now following international drug laws. Provides that when who notifies the United States under Article 2 of the Psychotropic Convention that it has information that may justify adding a drug or substance to one of the schedules of the Psychotropic Convention. Transferring a drug or substance from one schedule to another, deleting it from the schedules, the Secretary of State must in, must transmit the notice to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, HHS. The Secretary of HHS must then publish the notice in Federal Register and then provide opportunity for interested persons to submit comments that would be considered by HHS in its preparation of scientific and medical evaluations of drug or substance. The Secretary of HHS received the following notice from World Health Organization. The WHO presents its its compliments to members, states, and associate members, and has pleasure of announcing that the 44th Expert Committee on Drug Dependence will meet from 11 to 15 October 2021, coordinated with Geneva, Switzerland, given the the WHO expert committee meetings are of closed nature. This letter serves to notify members of the substance under review at the 44th ECD, which are in the Annex 1 attached for reference. WHO is mandated by the 1961 and 1971 International Drug Control Conventions to make recommendations to the UN Secretary General on the need for and level of international control psychoactive substances based on the advice of its independent scientific advisory board, the ECDD, to assess the appropriate control on psychoactive substance. The ECDD convenes annually to review the potential of the substance to cause dependence, abuse, and harm to health, as well as any therapeutic application. In order to perform this review to make scientific and evidence-based decisions, the ECDD conducts medical, scientific, and public health evaluations of the selected psychoactive substance using best available information. It gets long, but uh, I think these next two paragraphs are pretty important. Although the meetings are closed in nature, so they're closed. No public's going to be allowed, from my understanding. Member states are invited to contribute to the ECDD review process by joining the 44th ECDD open session on October 11th. The open session will allow interested parties to learn about 
present in future activities of the of the ECDD Secretariat and to present and to present information concerning substances under review to the expert committee registration information will be made available on ECDD website. As in the past, an inline of the publication guidance on WHO, WHO review of psychoactive substances for international control, EB 126 2010 REC1 Annex 6. Member states can also contribute to the ECDD review process by providing accurate information concerning the substances under review in advance of the meeting. For this purpose, a questionnaire will be sent to member states to gather information on the legitimate use, harmful use status, and national control and potential impact of international control for each substance under evaluation. Status of natural control and potential impact of international control for each substance under evaluation. In addition to the questionnaire, member states will also be encouraged to provide any additional relevant information, published or unpublished, on substances to be reviewed by 44 of the CDD by emailing. I do give an email. So there are a few links, a few PDFs, so, but every time I try to click it, it takes me out of the Federal Register. You know, so I don't know if they won't open a new tabs or what, but I wanted it to stay on this page. But they go into this huge list and Kratom is on it. And... I'm going to get into all of it, but there's uh, the AKA has opened up a portal where you can give your comment about how much it's helped you or a family member or a friend. And I would say get everybody involved. Anybody who you know who would write a testimony saying that Kratom has helped you, get them to write a testimony. It's, it's one quick paragraph. So essentially the FDA has requested that, that the WHO look at this to add it to their list. Apparently they meet every year and there's some, looks like research chemicals, brophine, metonidazine. So I'll give you the latest from the AKA. There's also an article in Marijuana Moment. Yeah, synthetic cannabinoids, brophine, a potent synthetic. Brophine is a potent synthetic opioid encountered as both a single substance of abuse and in combination with other opioid substances such as heroin and fentanyl thing looks like a meth synthetic drug which i can't not even going to try to pronounce it you won e-u-t-y-l-o-n-e b-m-d-p designer drug synthetic and then mitrogen kratom is on here and fendabot so the AKA has created a portal where, so the it's the Federal Register where they're asking for comments, and apparently the AKA is saying that the FDA, so the FDA is one of the World Health Organization's trusted sources under HHS, and apparently the new HHS had said that they were going to be referring to the FDA on Kratom just as this comes out very short after. I believe that was last week they said that. I, I, I haven't found it, but honestly, we should be able to get hundreds of thousands of comments up there by August 9th. Tell everyone you know. Go outside. Hold a sign. I think I'm going to do it too. So this from Marijuana Moment. FDA seeks public input on possible global Kratom ban after a domestic scheduling effort stalled. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think in all my excitement, I left that out. This is for an international ban. I believe there's 14 different allied nations that could take part in this. I mean, I 
I have no idea what that what that even means because the FDA has failed. Let's get into the story. HHS withdrew that from the, with the 2018 letter, and now the HHS head is saying they're going to go with the FDA. After failing to get Kratom prohibited domestically, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, is now seeking public comment to inform the U.S. position on how the substance should be scheduled under international statute. The FDA is now going international to try to push an international scheduling. This just seems so crazy that the FDA wasn't able to do it in the U.S. and is now going to what I, I believe is a private organization unelected officials going to make international law that affects U.S. law? It's so fucking crazy. If this goes Schedule 1, it won't. It won't. But if it does, they could start a whole new drug war. I'm sure lots of cops don't even know about this. Or you got like the cops in Mississippi that fucking hate it and want to bust down on people and fucking ruin their lives over an herbal tea. They they could revamp the drug war. I mean, we saw what that looked like in the 90s when the California dispensaries were first starting and the DEA was coming around and raiding them. Just imagine that for your favorite Kratom vendor. And now say you can't get 25 signatures. Everybody you know on the forums right now. Let's see. I'll refresh it and see what happens. 3,038 public comments. So that's on the Federal Register. The AKA has their portal. They're asking you to, to put them on both. But we should be able to have way more than 3,000. Everyone who's listening to this, go put your public comment. And I know it may be a futile act of obedience to legitimize this fucking process. But I think it just speaks volume when you have hundreds of thousands of, of comments all talking about Kratom, telling them to get fucked, essentially, in a very nice way, saying how much Kratom helped you. Definitely keep it keep it nice. In a notice published in the Federal Register last week, the agency is soliciting feedback on a number of substances, but advocates are especially concerned about the FDA and global drug officials come down on Kratom, which has been touted as a natural painkiller that works as a safer alternative to prescription opioids. The U.S. agency doesn't quite see it that way, however. Kratom is abused for its liability to produce opioid-like effects. FDA wrote in a notice, in the notice, FDA wrote in the notice, Kratom is available in several, several different forms to include dried crustaceans, powder, capsules, blah, 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 gum, resin. Kratom is an increasingly popular drug of abuse and readily available on recreational drug market in the United States. Responses to the notice will help inform the federal government's stance on Kratom scheduling in advance of an October meeting of the World Health Organization's WHO Expert Committee on Drug Dependence, where international officials will discuss whether to recommend the substance be globally scheduled. So, from... Oh, nice. The Marijuana Moment included the AKA video, which I don't think was there earlier. That's good. So, the FDA already has their stance on Kratom. And now, now they've been forced to open public comment because they requested the WHO add this to their convention list. But the latest update I heard from Philly Kratom was that there are two lists that they're going to be looking at. One is, shall we ban this immediately? And then the other one is, should we look into this to possibly ban? And I heard what, what he reported was that Kratom is on the, the, the latter, the secondary list. The FDA's request for public comment on on a matter of such importance involving the international scheduling of Kratom is an extraordinary abuse of their authority. 
Matt Caddo, senior fellow of public policy at AKA, told Marijuana Moment. He said the August 9 deadline for the responses allows only three weeks for scientists, public policymakers, and consumers to provide response that are well-researched and responsive to the complex requirements for data and information that will be considered by the WHO expert committee and therefore unacceptable. I said 14. If that happens, there are 37 countries that are part of the part of the international treaty that will effectively ban Kratom around the world, Haddo said in a recent video update to supporters. The FDA cannot get Kratom scheduled here in the U.S. using the criteria that's established by the Controlled Substance Act, so they're circumventing that and going to the WHO. That was about half the article. There's some more. Of course, I'll leave the link. So that was from... July 26th, it's the 28th now, I'm recording this. So the day before, July 25th, from the AKA major update on Kratom internationally. Thank you everybody who shared their stories via formal comments. It looks like there are 1,500, so double in two days. I think we can do better. So decent start, but lots, lots of work to do. Now the bad news, the AKA has confirmed that the FDA is not required to submit any comments to the UN Expert Committee. They only have to consider them. Yo, how long has the FDA sat on this? Is what I want to know. Haddo is right. I mean, fucking three weeks. All the scientists and doctors that have been doing all the research that's been proving Kratom has been safe and effective should be writing it. And apparently what the AKA is going to do, they're going to be going to Geneva and hand-delivering these letters, as latest I heard. I did have a webinar last night. I'll leave, I'll leave the link there as well which I wasn't able to catch because of Eli bedtime. Oh, let me finish that. Therefore, the AKA has created new submission portals on our sites. Please submit here. Please submit here. Even if you've already done it through the federal registry, I would say do it both. The AKA will provide these copies to the FDA as well as the WHO and the UN committee as evidence and ensure the FDA doesn't edit or omit comments. Of course, that's what they're going to try to do. I guess this is why you need lobbyists. I mean, because... You know, apparently they're going to be able to do this shit. Go to Geneva and deliver these letters. Deliver all the comments. AK is working hard to prompt as many creative consumers as possible. Your comment combined with getting others to comment will make a huge difference. Why comment here if I already commented on the Federal Register site? Uh, they say, that, again, the AK has confirmed the FDA is not required to submit any comments to the UN Expert Committee. They only have to consider them. Okay, so here is the other one from the AKA American Kratom, Un-American Kratom Association. The FDA is pushing to ban Kratom International via the WHO and UN. And this is the link to their page, which has the video from the webinar from last night. Submit your comment below, even if you already entered it via federal registry. Yeah, if you know anyone else who takes Kratom, tell them to tell their friends and family. I'm about to send it out to everybody right after this. Yeah, so once again, the, the cops should be the most pissed about this. Some international bureaucrats trying to put them in harm's way to go after fucking tea leaves. It's crazy. So that's it on that. That was that was the major news. I do have a bunch of other stories. Like always, you can skip around. I might actually just start doing these as clips because I know you can you can skip between the... Uh, it shows up as separate clips when I load it up like that. So that might be a way to do it. But the in the sources, the... The links for the news will be in the order that I'm doing them. So get get your public comment in. Get your comment on, share it with friends and family, share it on social media. 
may have to text people, text your whole fucking phone, anyone who you know who is interested in cannabis, psychedelics, um, herbal medicine, harm reduction, anti-drug war, pro-freedom, pro-liberty. Go through your phone, go through social media, start just start messaging people. Hey man, did you see this? Can you add your comment? And yeah, I, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, about doing the comment. I did mine in 2016. I think a lot of this is just futile act in supporting this bogus system that we're that we're living under so this also from marijuana moment massachusetts lawmakers discuss bill to create psychedelics legalization task force at hearing so this is what i did discuss briefly on the last creative news and current events was that they're going to be putting together this uh this committee which i thought was a done deal but apparently not so this is from July 27th. Massachusetts lawmakers on Tuesday heard testimony about a bill to create a task force charged with studying the implications of legalizing psychedelics like psilocybin and ayahuasca. The legislators joint judiciary committee, which I, I wish I knew about this. When are I get updates on this? Uh, I think Legiscan. I would have liked to, to catch this for this story. I bet I could find video of it somewhere. The Legislators Joint Committee met to discuss legislation from Rep. Mike Connolly, Democrat. While members didn't vote on the proposal, the sponsor was able to make the case for the reform, noting the emerging research that suggests entheogenic substances hold significant therapeutic potential for certain mental health conditions. He also pointed to the local reform movement that led three Massachusetts cities to decriminalize psychedelics so far, saying it represents another reason why it should be a priority for all of us to bring stakeholders together and have the conversation about what policies should look like. We're hearing from the medical committee, we're hearing from clinicians and researchers that the potential benefits here simply can't be ignored, Connolly said. There are these issues like PTSD and depression, anxiety, and addiction that we are struggling to address, and what the research is telling us is that these substances offer a tremendous benefit. The 21-member task force that the lawmakers proposing would be responsible for analyzing the pros and cons, legalization, possession, consumption, transportation, distribution of naturally cultivated entheogenic plants and fungi. Sponsor said on Tuesday that the group could really allow Massachusetts to play a leadership role in crafting policies around these substances. In email to Marijuana Moment, Connolly said that the momentum for broader psychedelics and drug reform in states across the country showed that our proposal to create a task force to craft policies around legalization is rational and warranted. Given our status as a longtime leader in civil rights, freedom, academic research, and advances in medicine, he said it is important for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts to be proactive about crafting policies to ensure that as the movement for legalization of psychedelics continues to advance, and as the clinical trials showing the therapeutic value of these medicines continue to pile up, that we are moving forward in an equitable, just, and inclusive fashion. This a little further down, Middlesex District Attorney Marion Ryan also testified in favor of reform proposal before the committee on Tuesday. Oh, here we go. While the Massachusetts legalization would establish a task force to investigate the potential legalization of these substances, it marks another significant development demonstrating how local reforms have caught the attention of state legislators. 
Connolly said at Tuesday's hearing that it's important to remember that it was the Nixon administration in the 70s, we were just talking about the fucking 70s, that classified entheogens as Schedule 1 substances without any real scientific basis. It was more to do with politics. It was more to do with systematic racism that led to the classification and criminalization. He's absolutely right. So this really just starts uh, talking about other reforms, both local, Oakland, Colorado, way that was Denver. What happened locally here in Northampton, Somerville, and Cambridge. So I'll leave the link. But I did want to look at the bill by Mr. Connolly of Cambridge, where they already decriminalized a petition of Mike Connolly and others for legislation to establish an interagency task force to study the health, public health and social justice implications of legalizing the possession, consumption, transportation, and distribution of naturally cultivated entheogenic plants and fungi. This is Bill H-1494, an act establishing a task force to study equitable access to entheogenic plants. So here it does go into who they they want, or it's essentially someone will appoint somebody to be in all these all these positions. Twenty one members. There shall be an interagency task force to study the public health and social justice implications of legalizing the possession, consumption, transportation, and distribution of naturally cultivated entheogenic plants and fungi. The task force shall consist of twenty one members. One member shall be appointed by Senate President who shall serve as co-chair, one member by minority leader senator, one member who shall be appointed by the speaker of representatives, who shall serve as co-chair, appointed by one member appointed by the House of Representatives, one by one of the Board of Allied Mental Health and Human Services Preventions, and upon its designee, one member of the CCC, the Cannabis Control Commission, two members with professional advocacy or academic experience with drug-related harm reduction policies and methods. They should pick me. Two members with professional advocacy, not professional. At least one of them shall be a practitioner of traditional ceremonial plant medicine practices, three members with training in medicine, social work, public health, or law and expertise in addressing public health disparities and access to care, four members with professional advocacy or academic experience promoting racial equity and economic justice, and at least one whom shall be represented in Massachusetts recognized Native American tribe, two members of professional scientific expertise in psychology, Socio, sociological and psychological effects of full spectrum of the full spectrum of entheogenic plants, fungi, and natural materials containing indolamines, tritetiptamines. I'm butchering all these, including psilocybin, ayahuasca, cacti, and iboga. The Attorney General of Massachusetts, or their designee, the Secretary of the Executive Office of Health and Human Services, or their designee. The Secretary of the Department of Veteran Services, or their designee, the Secretary of Executive Office of Public Safety and Security, or their designee, must compile testimony and data of the experiences of communities across the U.S., including Somerville, Mass., Cambridge, Mass., Denver, Colorado, Oakland, California, Santa Cruz, California, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Sovereign Native Lands, D.C., Oregon, as well as international jurisdictions that pursued harm reduction strategies with respect to entheogens 
Portugal, Netherlands, Jamaica, Peru, Brazil. This is this is actually pretty good. And review research regarding the impact of controlled substances prohibition on marginalized groups. As far as bills go, and supporting this bogus system, using it against itself, I like it. I always like bills that undo bad laws, where less violence, I would really like no violence, but less violence be used against peaceful people. So I mean, as far as it, this has got to go through, and they talk about marginalized groups, including indigenous people, veterans, people with physical and mental health disabilities, black people, people of Latino and Hispanic heritage, people of Asian descent, people of color, people in poverty, and people identifying with the LGBTQ community. Compile and review research on the political and cultural origins of prohibition policies for controlled substances. Develop recommendations for legalizing and eliminating Massachusetts state penalties for possession, consumption, transportation, manufacture, and distribution of entheogenic plants and fungi in a manner that maximizes equitable access and sustainable manufacture of these plants. Wow. So if they compile all this research, a lot of it's already been done by other other regions, other states, countries, cities. Identify opportunities for public education and harm reduction for controlled substances. This is a great start. I think this, this will push more towards the complete decriminalization of all drugs. And my hope would be eliminating the Controlled Substance Act altogether. So that's really big. Not later than June 2022. So less than less than a year. He's pushing it. You know how these timelines go, government. So this from filtermag.org, July 21st. An unprecedented achievement anywhere. Thailand's decriminalization of kratom. Native to Southeast Asia, kratom is a plant and herbal medicine with mild opiate and stimulant-like properties. It was held in high esteem as a traditional remedy for health ailments in Thailand until its criminalization in 1943, the result of increased use following skyrocketing opium prices in the region and a scramble by the Thai government to control the opium market. In May, the Thai government voted to remove Kratom from the nation's list of narcotics, making an ambiguous statement after 80 years of speculation on the plant's role. In a recent released report published in the International Journal of Drug Policy, researchers surveyed over a thousand Thai citizens about their view on the plant's decriminalization. The results showed a majority in favor of the removal of Kratom's criminalization status. This rising acceptance of Kratom stems from its history of being interwoven with Thai culture. Past research has shown Kratom's consistent use amongst people in rural Thailand for centuries. Praised for its properties in herbal medicine, Kratom has also been used to manage or end use of potent opioids. The result has been Kratom advocates fighting for the plants placed in Thai culture and across the globe. It's another thing that the people of Thailand, people of Indonesia, anywhere where they want to use Kratom and it's banned, this is the world should be submitting comments to this FDA register. We should have a million comments that in brackets positive perception has been passed down from generation to generation. In fact, the person who changed the paradigm include policymakers, government officers, and politicians. Dr. Daraka Sangam, a researcher at Prince of Songkola, sorry, I'm butchering it, University in Thailand told Filter. For nearly 80 years, Kratom was classified as an illegal substance. It was mistaken by policymakers in the past, and we should look back to the original point and accept this was a wrong law 
and should be corrected. Sanger is a renowned investigator of Kratom effects. Her insight stems from years researching various kinds of Kratom use among the majority Muslim, mostly rural population of southern Thailand, including as a recreational drug, as a medicinal remedy, and as a substitute for potent intoxicants. Her findings have been reported in the International Journal of Drug Policy. I studied Kratom use as a substance among heroin users, and the result was that the user was still healthy and had no serious health problems despite prolonged use, she said. Kratom is a psychoactive drug, but we haven't found its traditional use to have any adverse impact on mental health or to cause cause social problems. Kratom has been used a, as a traditional medicine for centuries by local people. She continued the qualification of the traditional healer and knowledge of the regimens and methods was passed from ancestor to their descendants. According to Sangam's research, cough, sim- cough symptoms, diarrhea, stomach ache, common cold, and even greater ailments such as diabetes, hypertension can be mitigated by Kratom. A holistic attitude to Kratom is not limited to rural Thailand. Researchers and other Thai citizens have shared it for decades. This has all resulted in positive public views around its legal regulation beyond the criminalization adopted by the government this year. <laughs> Comment below. Go look at what the FDA and DEA Mayo Clinic have to say about this. Kratom kills people. Okay, so the article goes on a little, a little bit longer. And as far as I know, they still have to actually implement a bill there so it's gonna be legal to grow and then they're gonna be working on exactly how to how to use it as a export crop so i think if they do what um indonesia is not doing i mean who knows how tyrannical to go with it but if they're able to set up standards for manufacturing and testing it could be huge and I believe prices prices would drop. It would take a little while. So yeah, the people of Thailand should be entering their, their comments on this federal register. So if you're in any of these Facebook groups, you know you got a million, or Twitter, Instagram, you got a million farmers looking to hit you up, sell you Kratom, tell them, yo, put your signature in. So this is from Times Herald's record in New York. I think they've done, I think I don't know who they run under. But they've done some other Kratom hit pieces. Opioid deaths surged in the Hudson Valley during a COVID-19 pandemic after a drop in 2019. So this story is sad, first off, and heart goes out to the family. But somehow lumping in Kratom in here, and this is like super fucked up. Opioids, parents lost two sons to overdoses. Couldn't even imagine. Mike and Kim Haney of Mount Hope lost their two sons, Brock and Barrett, to overdoses. Many Hudson Valley counties saw increases in opioid overdose deaths in 2020, which that was a caption under an image. Mount Hope, Mike and Kim Haney had already lost their son, Brock, to a heroin and fentanyl overdose in 2016 when tragedy struck again in February, this time claiming Brock's younger brother. Barrett had been drinking shot-sized bottles of legal substance called Kratom to suppress his own heroin cravings and taking so much of it for months that he started vomiting blood at work one day. Kim came downstairs early the next morning and found her 24-year-old son face down and unresponsive on the couch with the lights on. Okay, so first paragraph. Before I go on any farther, think about what would you take from that? 
If I was just reading this, if I was one of the record online readers, daily readers, I would think, holy shit, these fucking Kratom drinks killed this guy. Made him vomit blood. So I do have other stories I want to get through. So I'm going to skip a lot of this. And let me just say, it scrolls and scrolls and scrolls. Okay. Before you get to the bottom. So they have overdoses have risen. And talk about how overdoses in the area have risen in Orange County. Had an 18% increase in in fatalities in 2019. The toll jumped by 25% to 121 in 2020. Opioid deaths in neighboring Ulster County had fallen 38% in 2019. But surged by 83% in 2020 to 64 Count also rose in Sullivan after no reprieve in 2018. So it keeps going down. A couple more paragraphs. Getting treatment where it's needed. Talks about how their second son wasn't able to get treatment during the pandemic. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight paragraphs. A couple more images. Fighting addiction. A whole bunch of other paragraphs. All the way down here. Past all the images. Past all the paragraphs. Past all the subheadings. Barrett needed counseling. I believe that oh yeah, it's it's his dad. Barrett needed counseling and it wasn't available other than video conferencing. And that doesn't work, Mike Haney said. The same went for support groups, which had reverted to Zoom meetings that Barrett found too impersonal. These fucking lockdowns are killing. Barrett had learned about Kratom from other recovering addicts in treatment and began using it after the medicine to curb his cravings caused him weight gain. Kratom, made from leaves of an Asian tree, is sold in several forms in gas stations and head shops, and had been banned and had been banned as potentially addictive in at least six states, but not New York. Mike Haney said his son wound up drinking four to five little green bottles of the highly concentrated substance every day, each costing fifteen to twenty dollars. The habit began draining his income. Yeah, if you're doing that much a day, there's an issue. I mean, just get the what I would do, not recommending you do this because you don't take Kratom. Kratom is not for taking. Which I do is do the the plain leaf, the unadulterated powder, not the extracts. Because you don't even know what you're getting. They, they haven't even talked about what he was taking. Little green bottles of what? Was it tested? Did I have other stuff in it? Did I have heavy metals or some type of toxic... Um, Contaminant? Barrett died at his parents' home in Mount Hope on February 16th. His death was determined to be a result of acute drug intoxication, so not mitrogene and toxicity, with heroin, fentanyl, and mitrogene, the chemical in Kratom, all found in his system according to the toxicology report. So why isn't that the headline? Heroin, fentanyl, and mitrogenine. And then farther down, by and large, they say the opposite of addiction is connection, she said, the mom. She also cited the, oh no, I think this is Annette Cars. The partnership president attributed the increase in overdose deaths during the pandemic largely to the isolation it caused for people with addiction and the replacement of human contact with telemedicine and online support groups. By and large, they say the opposite of addiction is connection, she said. She also cited the proliferation of fentanyl, the powerful and deadly synthetic opioid that played a role in 83% of Orange County's 2020 overdose deaths. Carr said fentanyl is now mixed with other drugs, heroin, cocaine, synthetic opioids, marijuana, to give the user a stronger high. So, here's the thing. He was found, and again, my heart goes out to the family. I couldn't even imagine, especially now with my baby. 
He was found with heroin, fentanyl, and kratom in his system. This is completely my guess. I have no idea. He was using from his dad. His son wound up drinking four to five little green bottles of the highly concentrated substance every day, each costing 15 to $20. The habit began draining his income. You know what cost that much a day? You know what he was found in his system? Heroin and fentanyl. So my guess is that he was using Kratom intermediately when he couldn't get enough money to get heroin, and that's how he died. Because he died with heroin and fentanyl in his system. He was vomiting blood, which I've never seen that from Kratom. So this story is complete nonsense and just filled with hyperbolic bullshit. Let's see, view the comments. So we're not supposed to be comment zero because they're on the other page. So I'm not even going to share the link with you guys. But we should be throwing up some comments. I know we're not supposed to share the link. We're not supposed to give them the, the ratings in the search engines to get them trending. But I do think we, we should be talking about this and talking about how to combat all these these lies and this hyperbolic bullshit. Most people don't, don't make it past the first couple paragraphs. So this was aimed at Kratom. This next story is from Politico from July 16th. This looks like from the Politico Prescription Pulse whenever that is delivered every Tuesday and Friday by 12 p.m. Prescription Pulse examines the latest pharmaceutical news and policy. So all the way down the page, there's a small section about Kratom inside agency IQ. And the third paragraph in this one section, FDA to study Kratom. The FDA announced last week that that it wants to study Kratom, a compound sometimes sold as an herbal supplement that can cause opioid or stimulant like effects. FDA currently advises consumers not to use Kratom-based products and encourages more research to understand Kratom's safety profile, including the use of Kratom combined with other drugs. FDA now says it wants to initiate a pilot study to assess the appropriate dosing and abuse potential of the botanical Kratom. The second study will examine the abuse liability of botanical Kratom, including its subjective effects. They could look at the NIDA studies that are being done to the tune of multi-million dollars that Dr. McCurdy has been looking at. That could be a start. So I don't know anything more about this. I thought it was pretty interesting. I've never heard of the Politico prescription pulse that came up on my feed. ICER panel, whatever that is. Apparently the FDA wants to study it. That, I don't know what to think about that because the FDA has um, refused to even talk to the AKA, and they keep pushing out misinformation, proven false misinformation and lies regarding Kratom. From Bangkok Post, Kratom plants legal to grow from August 24th. This is from also from the 16th. goes with the... Basically, what, what that Filter Mag article was saying, that... Um, well, I'll just read it. Kratom, the plant formerly listed as narcotic, should be legal to grow from August 24th, Justice Minister Somsak Thepsithulin said on Thursday. said the passage of the Kratom plant bill was almost complete, barring any constitutional objections, should be enacted by the time the plant's delisting as a narcotic takes effect on August 24th. Kratom was declassified in May as an illegal drug, from the list under the amended Narcotics Act. Towards the end of the article, when the legislation is in place, each household will be free to grow as much Kratom as they want. That is That changed. That changed from the beginning. Um, I guess they got pushback because the beginning was like, you're allowed 20 leaves or something like that. It was something really ridiculous. 
grow as much kratom as as they want he added however permission is still required from the fda to process kratom into products this could be huge this could be really really big (laughs) the fucking world health organization doesn't step in and do some shit sale of kratom to children and pregnant women still will be prohibited as well as mixing it with drugs on their narcotic list Kratom will become an economic crop that can be exported to make extra money for farmers, the minister said. Huge. Absolutely huge. So, that's uh, good news coming out of Thailand. This next story is from KLFY, Louisiana. Lafayette Parish mother asking legislators to remove adulterated Kratom off store shelves after son dies from overdose. (sighs) Now, this uh, this can play into the the which i'm gonna i'm gonna try to speed this along i got two more stories after this or you can always skip ahead to brian but this this goes into the the most recent seizure and raid that happened in florida that they classified any kratom products as adulterated just because it has kratom in it so what exactly is this woman talking about and what's the information that she was given So let's get into the story. Lafayette, Louisiana. A Lafayette Parish mother is pushing for new laws after her 26-year-old son overdosed on a product he thought would help with his insomnia and anxiety. Helps me with both those things, but um, don't do it. But as we do more research, we're learning more about just how much and how little the experts know about Kratom. Daniel Vidrine, a 26-year-old Air Force vet, died in February of this year. Is it me or is it really weird when deaths, these deaths have to do with someone in government agency or law enforcement or the military? Maybe it's just me. It's caused the death acute mitragynine toxicity, also known as Kratom overdose. So again, what was the postmortem blood test that was done? Was there an extensive investigation? What is the coroner or medical examiner's background, especially in Kratom? And what other stuff did he have in his system? How was his health? What other medications was he on? Was he drinking alcohol? His sugar intake? Processed foods? Artificial uh, flavorings? Dyes? Sweeteners? We don't know any of this. My son Daniel had issues related to insomnia, depression, and anxiety. This is what the reason he said that he was taking Kratom. Melissa Verdine told us in the wake of her son's death. I'd like to see the talk screen. Just saying. They say, what is Kratom, you might ask? It's a plant in Southeast Asia. According to the American Kratom Association, it can be used to manage pain or as an alternative to coffee to help with mood and focus. Then that was it for the AKA quote. In other words, Kratom in small doses works as an upper, larger doses as a downer. The FDA reports there there have been no scientific studies to show Kratom relieves opiate withdrawals. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh because it's it's a serious subject, but what the fuck? That's exactly what's happening in these scientific studies. The FDA reports there have been no... Sorry, in the the NIDA studies with Dr. McCurdy, that's exactly what they're showing, is that rats, I believe it's rats or mice, use it to to get off of uh, of morphine. Don't quote me on that. The FDA reports that there have been no scientific studies to show Kratom relieves opioid withdrawals, diabetes, anxiety, or depression as it was once marketed. When we noticed there was a behavioral change with Daniel, we did a little research, but we did the re- we did the regular searches for Kratom, 
And he would always say, Mom, it's okay. They sell it at a store. It can't be bad for you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's as, almost as good as, oh, it's natural, so it can't be bad for you. Yeah, why don't you go smoke some poison ivy and tell me how you do. It's sold at the store, so it can't be bad for you. Yeah, sugar, processed foods, alcohol, all sold at the store, tobacco, all terrible. Or I guess I should say cigarettes, because I think a lot of the chemicals they put in the, the cigarettes are probably a lot worse than, you've, than just plain tobacco. But what a silly statement. The product that product Daniel is using comes with very little information. There's a warning that mitrogene speciosa is a unapproved dietary ingredient and disclaimer stating the user accepts full responsibility for any adverse event or health complications and a short list of ingredients. A short list of ingredients, what else is in it? In quotes, the real danger with not just Kratom but other illicit substances of this type is that we frequently see them adulterated with other substances. Yeah, don't buy it just because it's at the store. And don't buy it just because it's that, just because it's natural. If you're concerned about it, look for labs, call the company, go with a reputable company that's only doing um, unadulterated kratom. Or if they are mixing with other products to make it a dietary supplement, that it's clearly labeled exactly what's in it. We should definitely be calling out these bad actors and people that are adulterating kratom. Honestly, I don't care if it's adulterated. You know, make an extract. I guess that could be considered adulterated. What I care about is if it's adulterated and then the consumer has no idea what's in it. And those people should be, be removed from the industry. And the reason why it doesn't have any use or instructions on it is because the FDA is keeping everybody so safe by Import Alert 5414. The companies can't put a label on it. They can't say it's for consumption. Don't consume Kratom, which makes everybody unsafe. People should know what it is and know what they're consuming. And then only... A little bit more to go. I'll just finish it up. I wasn't going to read it all, but I'll finish it. You might hear Eli in the background. Dr. Mark Ryan, the executive director of Louisiana Poison Control Center, says in the more active years of 2011 to 2015, where people called the Poison Control Center about Kratom, they were only getting about four to five calls a year related to it. Dr. Ryan says Kratom's out there does cause some serious problems, but they haven't they haven't been large in numbers or widespread. We think that's that's why we haven't seen on a national level a movement made to control it. Yeah, it's all about control. That's why Melissa is contacting her legislators and anyone else who listened to her please to remove these types of Kratom products from the store shelves. I don't want anyone else to experience the loss of a loved one like we did with our son Daniel. Heart goes out to the family, but there's a lot that's uh, unknown about this case What's also unknown is the mechanism of which Kratom can be lethal or causing a lethal overdose. No scientist, researcher, no one's been able to tell us that. So if it's killing people, if it's allegedly killing people, how? Please, we, we, we want to know how. Oh, and I like that. Well, I should say I like this sarcastically. But in 2019, the CDC reported 91 people died of Kratom overdoses from July 16. I guess that's... July 2016 to December 2017, in the same time frame, 152 overdose deaths had Kratom in their system. To learn more about Kratom, its risk, and recommendations, check out the links attached to the story on our website. I kind of like this. The only link that they have is from the AKA. So something all these news, the majority of these news agencies are leaving out is the fact that in the CDC report, it said, other drugs in the system couldn't be ruled out. 
and I'm assuming how they can be ruled out is because there wasn't extensive investigation. There wasn't extensive blood tests being done like was done in the New England Journal of Medicine when they looked at those deaths in Colorado. So that's it for this one. Um, you know, if you really want it regula- regulated, then pass the Creating Consumer Protection Act. But as we've seen in all these states that have um, regulated cannabis, the underground market is still thriving. So I think that's an option for anybody that, that wants to pay more, wants to know their shit's tested. They should have the ability to. But I don't think we need to do we, we need to bring government coercion and violence into the into the mix. But that's what a lot of the creative advocates are calling for. As I say, prohibition is violence. Regulation is less violence. So this next story is looks to be good news coming from Nutritional Outlook. I've never heard of this publication, but Sante Laboratories' full panel alkaloid test for Kratom is said to be an industry first. This could be huge. This could be really big. Very short article, so I'm just going to breeze right through it. You know, there's, I think, over 40 different um, lesser alkaloids that have some real uh, health benefits. And if we can start testing for for some of these, you know, I do know um, Christopher's Botanicals. I spoke to him before um, when I was down in Maryland, and he was saying that they're testing for two um, other of the alkaloids that other companies really aren't testing for. And he said, and I believe him too, that he said it was really weird that he got some green that was was testing, I think he said the mitrogene and 7-hydroxy was testing around the same. And he's like, the other one was just, just not as good. And he's like looking at looking at the mitrogene and seven hydroxy that you would think that maybe one of them was older or something, but what it was was one of these other minor alkaloids that that was the thing that was separating it. I think it's almost like testing for or buying your cannabis just on THC or CBD content. I think it's silly because there's over a hundred different. I believe there's over a hundred different cannabinoids found in cannabis that will have health benefits and will change the effect uh, along with terpenes and flavonoids. And I believe we have flavonoids in Kratom as well. Oh, look, the article gets into some of that. So analytical testing firm Sante Laboratories, Austin, Texas, says says it has developed the first full panel alkaloid test for the herb Kratom, Metrogene speciosa. company's goal is to analyze and define full-spectrum Kratom. Kratom is the is an ingredient that's seen some controversy over Kratom is an ingredient that's seen some controversy over its perpetrated safety in recent years. Currently, Sante says the most competing labs use testing methodologies that can only visualize Kratom's two major alkaloids, mitragyne, mitragynine, and 7-hydroxy mitragynine. Sante's testing methodology methodology However, is a seven alkaloid panel validated to quantify indole and oxindole alkaloids such as mitragynine, 7-hydroxy, <laughs> sorry guys, uh, pananthanine, speciosaginine, speciosakilatine, <laughs> the link will be in the description, mitrophyllanine, and some other ones, but yes, if your vendor's not testing for mitrophyllanine, find another vendor. And actually, uh, Melody sent me this link, and she's like, "Would she be a good guess?" Because one of the 
one of the scientists over at uh, Sante was posting on their LinkedIn about this new test. So yeah, she'd be great to talk to. This is an important industry company look to develop full spectrum Kratom products with the belief that the more than 40 structural related alkaloids that have been identified in Kratom leaves all the work synergistically together, similar to the entourage effect attributed to hemp cannabidiol, whose efficacy some attribute to the full synergistic range of cannabinoids and terpenes in cannabis. Thus, identification of more than just two alkaloids is critical, the company says. Mike Sandoval, president and COO of Sante Labs, said in a press release, identification and characterization of these major and minor alkaloids will not only support efforts to standardize raw materials and finished products for quality control purposes, but it will also help researchers and drug developers better understand the overall effects reported with Kratom use. The company's methods involve chromatic graphic separation and identification of indole and oxindole alkaloids using ultra-high performance liquid chromatography, UHPLC, instruments. It says it is the first and only contact research organization to offer a comprehensive alkaloid panel to food and dietary supplement universities and pharmaceutical companies. It further states as the kratom industry continues to scale in either direction of food, dietary supplements, drugs, access to superior and scientifically valid testing services is of utmost importance. So I wonder if other companies will follow this lead and start uh, developing these tests as well, or you know, maybe they're going to be the only ones that do this and they'll charge an arm and a leg. But yeah, this would be a really good interview. So that, I think that's a little good news, and I think it is just like because I don't like the. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll 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 do the extracts, I'll I'll consume the extracts, but I really don't like them as much as the raw, unadulterated powder of plant leaf kratom. Because yeah, I think it is a synergistic effect, and then you know it's also how it's dried, but just like getting a cannabis edible where it's only THC, I think it's missing a lot of the health benefits that you would get from a full spectrum cannabis. So that's what I find on a lot of these extracts that they just, for me, they just fall flat. They'll do the trick. I I enjoy them from time to time, but really I like to take my kratom cold with a little water and I I found there's a couple plant milks that I really like with it. Something kind of neutral that will mask the taste of it, like this uh, tempty unsweetened vanilla hemp seed milk is really good. I've been using the the Trader Joe's macadamia nut milk, almond milk, to mix, and it's, I like it. I do notice that if, uh, and from what I've read, is I do notice when I heat it up, when I make it as a tea, when I'm in extreme pain, I'll make it as a tea, and it kicks in faster and stronger. From my understanding, it increases the bioavailability, so it does that. But then I noticed it also leaves a lot quicker. It doesn't last as long. So yeah, I just like to take mine with some cold water. So that's uh, good news coming from Austin about this full-spectrum test. Next up, we're going to have the interview with Brian Gallagher from Kratom Science. Stay tuned. And as promised, here's all the info for the Organa $100 gift card giveaway. To enter, simply go to organacratum.com slash the Kratom Guy Show. It is the Kratom Guy Show. 
Submit your name, email for a chance to win a $100 gift card. And also guys, don't forget about the exclusive deal that Organa has just for you guys, our awesome listeners, to save 10% off your purchase and also support the show when you use the referral link in the description or use the coupon code KratomGuy at checkout. Once again, the link to win the free $100 gift card from Organa, no strings attached, just go to OrganaKratom.com slash Show. And good luck. This week, we welcome a very special guest back to the show, Brian Gallagher from Kratom Science. Brian is a writer from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who was hired to write for KratomScience.com in 2018. While there, he's written hundreds of blog posts and created the Kratom Science Podcast. On the Kratom Science Podcast, he has interviewed some of the most prominent doctors, Kratom researchers, and advocates from around the world. He also does freelance comedy writing and creates content for small businesses. So excited to be able to sit down and talk with Brian again. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. I should, should say welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Oh, yeah. Nobody listened to the last one. I was way too loud and excited. <laughs> uh, no, I think a couple thousand people listened to it. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's really good one. I've actually had a few people uh, contact me that is really interesting. I get a lot of people that don't know too much about Kratom, and then they contact me and they're like, oh, yeah, I checked out that one with um, the Kratom Science dude. They're like, that was really good. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, glad well, they thought it was good. I like, can never go it? back and listen to anything because I'll just, other than uh, when I do my own editing on the podcast, I yeah. just don't listen or watch myself. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think I'm the, kind of the same way. It's always weird yeah. listening and watching to yourself. It's common. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Yeah, uh, sure. There's, there's, there's been, I forget what you were calling it, the, the uh, Kratom Scare of 2021. Yeah, Kratom Panic 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Especially these last couple of weeks, but there's been a lot of weird shit going on got a lot of tabs to get through and the it all ties in together i think this is really important for people to notice that the import alert the hhs letter from what was that 2018 uh yeah august 2018 yeah. and the most recent seizure so maybe you could take us through this um and i do like this kratom induced seizure yeah <laughs> well Which, actually and saying, well, that it actually calms down my seizures. I'm like, fine, <laughs> you got to read the article. I can tell you didn't click the link. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I had checked out your article, and then I thought I saw it spelled differently on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I guess he's got something new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe you I could take us, take us through this times. article. So th- this was just going back to, what was it, May 21st or something, the FDA seized 37,000 kilos of kratom from a pretty I, I don't know that I don't, don't know for a fact um it's this person that somebody told me it is but but in any case he's a very large vendor getting in 37,000 kilos at once is pretty big <laughs> damn he's so big that it's not going to affect him in any way so kind of what it amounts to to me is is just kind of show business they they do these seizures ever since the 2012 first import alert they've been doing these seizures once a year maybe they do smaller ones because mike you told me one time you had something seized as well and and i imagine there wasn't a massive press release or anything about it 
No, this is like that, 10 or 20 kilos. I, I've had stuff seized multiple yeah. times by um, Customs and Border Patrol, as well as FDA. And the Border Patrol, it was during that time, it was in November, I want to say, maybe that was also 2018. But it was during a time that something happened in Indonesia with the BPB, the, the basically their DEA equivalent. And they weren't able to get any packages out for Kratom because... They, they got caught exporting extracts. So they were marking it like, I forget, green green tea or something. And the DEA, the new system they have, it just like grabs keywords off of packages when they come in. So it's like Indonesia, green tea. Uh, this is, we're going to check this. And yeah. the customs, it was really easy to get back. I just did their paperwork, uh, proved it was mine and they, and they sent it. The FDA, there was no talking to them. They're like, it's, it's illegal. You can't have it back, essentially. And, yeah. I, and I was like, well, you know, it's actually, it was labeled not for human consumption. So there shouldn't be any deal with the labeling. And I, I still don't have it back. They, they just stopped replying. So my thought was that they, they just don't have the resources to seize all the crime. Do these big U.S. marshal seizures about once a year. There wasn't one last year. But going back to 2014, they were doing them. Um, 2012 is the original import alert that gave them the right, apparently, to seize this stuff. Yeah, uh, right. We yeah we were arguing uh, on the last journal club. We went over uh, Jane Babin's FDA fails to follow the science on kratom, and we were arguing that it's based on like almost fraudulent information. Or I mean, you probably couldn't argue that in court because that you could say oh they were sloppy in entering uh, the information into well, their affairs. I, 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 I thought about this. I thought about this, yeah. and it's like. Oh, you know, that 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 uh that vendor should sue them. They should sue their ass. And it's like, okay, you sue them and then you get to go to their court. Like it's you're, yeah, you're you're suing the US government in their government court. It just seems like it didn't even be legal the 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 way they even got the right to declare that import alert, which gives them the right to see shipments. But but the other thing about it is, you know, the DEA can't even get all the cocaine and uh, heroin and marijuana off the street. And every cop in the country has a right to come to your house, come to your house, knock on your door with a warrant and take whatever illegal substances you have, but they don't have the right to take Kratom. Apparently only the U S marshals under the FDA have that right, or they can, you know, seize it at customs or whatever. So to me, it's, it's, it's this has been happening and a lot of the older advocates i've spoken to i mean because I'm, I'm coming up on three years in this and there's people that are you know going back longer than that but they say you know this happens every time and every time there's a panic and it's it's like i deal with the people that are panicking a couple of my friends and they don't understand they think their kratom's gonna be taken away from them next week they're freaking out i mean these are people that rely on this stuff and so I don't like that they create panics like this. And I don't really, it, it just kind of sucks that there's language out there that kind of exacerbates it. Maybe, maybe from like vendors who, who want you to stock up and get it while they last. Uh, and I don't, I think we should maybe, you know, step back and be like, well, what can they do from here on out? I mean, they can't just, there's, 
there's really like under a hundred U.S. marshals, and then there's like about three thousand deputy marshals, or or four thousand deputy marshals, and so they and they do all kinds of things, like they transport prisoners, they go after fugitives, they seize all kinds of other dietary supplements. So this is like routine. So if vitamin had salmonella in it, in it, they go and seize it. So this kratom is just part of part of their job. It's all real yeah. fucked up, but like it's yeah. what what was really weird about this one, and I think it has happened in the past. Which you you linked one from a couple of years ago. I think it's actually in the bottom of this article. Um, yeah, you got a couple of links. The other one I think was yeah twenty sixteen. But it's n- not the fact that it has salmonella in it, or that they um, are putting something weird in it, that they're mislabeling it. It's the fact that it's kratom and being sold as a dietary supplement. Mm-hmm. This opens the door to them basically seizing whatever they want. There's so many products now. Uh, I think uh, I forget the name of the brand, but there's there's they have uh, soda out and candy and all different type of oh, extracts okay. that um, are clearly food, are clearly dietary supplements being marketed as such. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's. It really, I, it might be happening every couple of years, but this is, it's just so crazy. Like, yeah. And, and, but I think, you know, the language hasn't really changed because th- that's the one of the point I was making. There was a 2016 press release that's like identical. It's like they put it into a form article. I mean, you know, how you get like if you write a letter to get a job that you know microsoft has a form that you can follow this is what they follow so because there's an opening statement u.s marshall sees blah 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 and then the next paragraph is a quote and and uh this one paragraph i put in it's exactly 2016 they were calling it a new dietary ingredient it's adulterated anything with kratom is adulterated well that's the exact same thing they put put up uh, a couple weeks ago in uh, may 21st so that uh, as far as i I just don't see any indication that it's going to change but however that comes with you know they just shut down the credit card uh, company again that a lot of the vendors were using. So I don't know, like maybe all of a sudden they have the resources to ramp it up and start seizing every week. uh, The whole thing with the credit card company is I heard that there's, there's some vendors apparently have lost anywhere from 20 to a hundred K by their credit card processor getting uh, shut down because it's a high risk business being, being held in reserves and but that main company that a few oh, i guess a lot of the big name vendors are using the owners are in trouble for what i hear is racketeering and money laundering oh, so i don't think that has any other legal action that's targeted towards kratom but but i'm not yeah. i'm not really sure yeah cuz it's i mean if you go on these sites that don't have credit cards it's you have to either do an e check or you write them a check, like, which I don't even have a fucking checkbook. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, or you can, get, you, you can get some cryptocurrency. A lot of these uh, vendors accept Bitcoin and stuff, which if you don't have it, it, you know, takes forever to sign up. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to make it hard as, as hard as possible to buy Kratom. <laughs> they, they really are. And it's, it's really terrible. 
I guess we talked about it a little bit, but what what exactly happened in Florida? What was seized? Like, I, I would like to get some footage of this and see if it was like a SWAT style raid on this vendor. That yeah, really. I mean, I I I. It's a wonder they didn't have cameras down there because, well, I mean, the tweets that went out um, May twenty first, I think, was a Thursday or no, maybe it was Friday. I'm looking at my calendar. Yeah, that was a Friday. And then the tweets went out on Friday night. Uh, Gottlieb and um, uh, what's her name? Dr. Woodcock, who's in uh, the FDA. So it, it seemed to be, you know, an orchestrated media event. They put the press release out and everything. So sees more than 207,000 units of dietary supplements and bulk dietary ingredients that are or contain Kratom including 34 kilos of bulk kratom um, manufactured by auto in Fort Myers. Fort Myers is right on the Gulf coast. So I don't know if they get those, uh, you know, big cargo boxes in there. Sounds like they seized like one or two of those. Um, and they're marketed under names, boosted kratom, the devil's kratom, Terra kratom, Semba, biobotanical and El Diablo, which I've never heard of. But I think this is just a big vendor that has a bunch of brands. And then once they all get shut down, he'll he'll have like a, a half a dozen brands and he'll start selling them under them. I don't know. I don't I don't exactly know how that works. But uh, so, um, yeah, there's a substantial concern regarding the safety of Kratom. There is opposed to public health and it's potential for abuse. So all of these claims they keep making about potential for abuse, uh, kratom-related deaths, all this stuff. If you go back to Jane Babin's 2018, which came out the same month as the Giroir letter, the FDA fails to follow the science on kratom, you'll see how flimsy that science is if you just read that document. And uh, we did we did our Journal Club episode on it. I think it was uh, episode 19 of Journal Club. Me and Dr. John Cachet, who's a neuroscientist in Ohio, he developed the first uh, cannabis um, lab technician program in the state. So you could go to you go get an associate degree to be a cannabis lab tech, and then uh-huh. work work in a grow house or whatever. But yeah, he does a podcast. I, I have the regular Kratom Science podcast where I just interview scientists and and uh, just consumers and you know i had you on at one time and um and then there's this journal club where we go over peer a peer-reviewed journal article usually about kratom sometimes about other stuff but we did this jane babins and it, it was just i mean they cited suicides uh, a murder uh, a guy fell from a window in germany and it's worldwide, and and the only thing they come up with was forty four kratom related deaths, which just amounted to them basically searching their own database, the FDA um, adverse effects uh, reporting system. That's their database. So they take original case reports and they enter them into their database, and that and they consistently like omitted information like the fact that there was nine deaths in in sweden and they all had odesmethyltramadol i mean anybody that pays attention is familiar with that um but yet even after you, they found that this the original case report had toxic levels of odesmethyltramadol uh they still use that to claim uh you know to justify the original input and they're constantly feeding that to media. So every time you Google Kratom and you see all these local news stories with 
it's been attributed to the 91 deaths. I, I don't know. I think they're up to like a hundred something now. They keep up in it. Yeah, they are. Um, it's all it's just based on the sloppy reporting that and they that they literally left out information. They left they didn't even cite the uh, gunshot wound guy report. So it's like they could say, oh, it was just sloppy, but um, it was sloppy in a consistent way, which is what I said on the on the other podcast. And it's like, you know, they never leave out uh, the fact that the person didn't create them, but they leave out the fact that there was odysmethyltramadol and the guy got shot and somebody fell from a ladder and yes, yeah, shot in the fucking chest, gunshot wound to the chest. And then yeah. somebody else. Yeah. I think fell off a ladder and somebody fell out of a window. A second story window was on drugs and alcohol, refused medical yeah. treatment. Um, and there was a hanging hanging by ligature somebody hung yeah. themselves i mean suicide by ligature somebody hung themselves and it's still used as their their primary motive and I, and i think in one of those uh suicides that might might be the hanging uh the husband of the lady that that hung herself uh was the primary source on what drugs she was doing there was no toxicology he said oh he, he she had this kratom stuff i oh, know that was actually an acetaminophen intentional overdose where they swallowed a uh you know bottle of aspirin and and drank too and the guy said oh she was also taking kratom just the husband so there's no toxicology on that other than I don't even think there's a, so, so they didn't, the FDA did not investigate these things. So what we were talking about is there's uh, medical examiners. uh, It relies solely on their reports. uh, And so the FDA didn't say, okay, we better investigate this because this is a drug that might be dangerous. Uh, They didn't investigate any, they didn't look at the original, you know, blood. It was just based on case reports that, that the data was either, intentionally or accidentally manipulated uh signs point to intentionally um and and but this is what they base this is what they base criminalizing millions of people on uh, this just flimsy uh report that i would have gotten f on as a freshman in college like i even even in my blog i'll cite uh as many studies as i refer to um and, and so in one in one case they didn't but they don't want you to look at the original case reports because then, you know, you'd have to look at the, you might even do something dangerous and ask for the original toxicology reports or have to get them via FIA. In some States, I was reading Carl Hart's new book, drug use for grownups. And he was talking about like with all drugs, some of these toxicology reports aren't uh, some of the medical examiner coroner reports aren't, enough to go on to determine if the person actually died of any any substance because these they don't have a lot of training in a lot of these states in colorado there was uh 15 deaths that they attributed to kratom yeah please please Um, talk about this because that's what i was just thinking about when you when you started talking about talking about testing and colorado is one of those states where you just have to take a class and then be elected coroner uh, they, this was like 15 kratom related deaths and i'm sure it was in the fda's uh justification uh so another group of scientists actually um it was published in the new england journal of medicine so they looked at those 15 deaths 14 of them had multiple drugs in their system uh and a, and a lot of them were, was fentanyl 
and the one that they didn't know about, they couldn't get the, the original blood results weren't available. You know, it, before you go schedule wanting a drug, which I don't think any drug should be schedule one. I think, you know, I think all drugs should be legal and, and maybe regulated, but this is, this, it's just such a flimsy argument for banning it. So Jane Babins, uh, that she argued in her paper, um, the reason they're doing this is because not because it's because it doesn't have those side effects that classical opioids do. Uh, and specifically, they're partial opioid agonists, mitragyny and 7-hydroxy, which means uh, it so it works on the mu opioid receptor, but it doesn't recruit the beta arrestin that you know, classical opioids like morphine do that caught and what recruiting that beta arrest and that chemical after it acts on the mu opioid receptor, that's what causes some of the bad side effects like respiratory depression. Respiratory depression is what causes opioid overdose deaths. So Kratom doesn't do that. So this is kind of, this kind of been like their, this is like their goal golden ticket because for decades uh they drug companies have been trying to develop an opioid or a pain medication and especially now since with the uh so-called opioid crisis they've been trying to develop a medication that doesn't have those types of side effects that cause overdose death because obviously that's you know a liability yeah it's it's hard for them to say that that it doesn't cause it's such a good medicine doesn't cause respiratory suppre- suppression, and then mm. at the same time we we have uh, multiple. At least I know I can't think of it now, but um, what's his name? Um, they 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 have a company that's looking to do just that. They're looking to for its safety profile to turn it into a medicine, and they were just bought out. Andrew Krugel from uh, okay, Columbia. Yeah. Um, that that's why they're really pursuing this, pursuing kratom and mitragyne, is because of its safety profile. So, it, yeah, he he actually was one of the first ones that did a study about how it doesn't recruit beta arrestin, and that beta arrestin was just proven, you know, uh, not too long ago, maybe a decade ago, to be the thing in opioids that causes uh, the side effects, and and kratom doesn't do that. And they've been studying Kratom for, I mean, I've seen stuff that goes back to the 1972. We did one on the podcast um, that found that, you know, Kratom uh, rats respond better to Kratom than they do morphine. And, you know, they it's less addictive. And, uh, I, and, and I don't, I, I don't want to say it wasn't as, you know, it, they, it was easier for them to come off of the, of the uh, mitragynine than it was the morphine. And, and by the way, it was hard for them to kill rats with mitragynine. I put something up about, you know, the LD50 of mitragynine by, by one study. I mean, which isn't conclusive. One study is not conclusive at all, but it was way higher. It was like twice as high as extracted caffeine. So oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 and um, I mean, you can buy powder caffeine at GNC, and but there's you hear people dying of it here and there. So, but the mitragyny was like, it was like something like six hundred milligrams per kilogram. They found an LD fifty in whatever uh, lab animals they were studying, and uh, caffeine, 
in another study, it was like 300 milligrams per kilogram. So it's, it was like almost twice as much of uh, extracting my tragedy to get a toxic dose, which is, but I mean, so that kind of puts it on the, on the, along the lines of uh, like water intoxication almost. It's, it's <laughs> not, yeah, it's not, it's not like, you know, like caffeine will kill you quicker if you, well, had yeah, that, that's the crazy thing that so, yeah. so far as a, I mean, this was done long before we were around, but as a society carved out this special niche for uh, things like alcohol and sugar um, yeah, caffeine, coffee. I mean, all these things are, are they're all deadly, but yeah, you know, it's, it's how much you take it. And I, I think it's a bigger part of this whole discussion is that for some reason, uh, a group of individuals calling themselves government has the right to um, essentially dictate rights that they don't inherently have as individuals. So saying that we we're going to be able to get together, write stuff down that now we have a group of people that will violently attack other people for doing these certain plans. And I think that's a big part of it that, you know, we can talk about the science of it, but it seems to be left out and not really on everybody's radar that this is more of a human's rights issue of what plans you should be able to consume and possess and be able to be left alone while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you should be able to grow poppies and marijuana and mushrooms and create them in your yard and and take it and i agree i mean i i like the idea that that you know we should be able to uh we should be able to reasonably expect that we get uh kratom without toxic metals in it or contaminants or that's adulterated with fentanyl or for example i li- kind of like that idea of that kind of regulation one of my interviews with, was with uh, Walt Prigelic, uh, Dr. Prigelic from, he's like a veteran uh, pharmacologist, uh, Midwestern University in Chicago. Uh, he's originally from Pennsylvania. Um, but he found, he did a study that found toxic metals in a lot of these samples of Kratom. And some of them were bigger companies that I've heard of. And, oh, wow. um, and is that, yeah. Is and that it, published? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's definitely out. I can send you the link. Uh, it was, um, maybe last year, 2019 or something. Um, but I mean, he's totally, you know, if you listen to the interview, he's not, you know, he doesn't have a vendetta against Kratom or anything, but he's found these. And he said, you know, if you do 10 grams or more a day of this stuff, it could develop uh, toxicities over time. He said, he, you know, you're not going to die if you do it once, but, um, that's, it's kind of like I, I've hear people that have side effects of hair loss, which sounds completely weird. And, and I interviewed a Dr. Singh from Malaysia and he said, he said, we don't see any of this over so people. Like, people say that. And then I'm like, you, I'm sorry, but you're probably going to lose your hair anyways. And I also hear it as um, I hear it happens when you get off of like hardcore drugs, that it's uh, all the toxicity coming out of your system that huh. triggers these weird reactions. I don't know how true that is, but I haven't been able to find any proof either that it causes hair loss. Yeah, I don't think I really don't think. But but when you look up uh, the effects of some toxic metals, uh, hair loss, hair loss is one of them. So oh. they might be just get, getting bad stuff and and taking it over time. I mean, I know the dried kratom profile, the alkaloids are a little different. Like there's more seven hydroxy tragenes than fresh kratom does. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that that's bad, but it's just the alkaloid profile is a little different. But I don't I don't think that could translate into hair loss. But I don't think there's been enough studies. 
a lot of the sciences uh, and what Dr. Cachet explained to me was, you know, it's if you find something negative, it's almost like writing a negative news story. It's in science. Kratom's like a hot topic. So if you want to get published and you want to get noticed, then you can take a case report of somebody that had like a seizure or something and went to the ER and he had Kratom in his system. Well, so th- that goes into the liver damage. So, yeah. you know, may- maybe you take it. I mean, I, I, if anyone's consumed Kratom like multiple days, if you have like the same cup, it does like get like this film, like almost like something that like coffee would leave behind. Um, so maybe it does have some liver, uh, liver damaging properties or liver toxicity, but that liver, uh, toxicity, uh, study or report that keeps getting regurgitated, you go into it and it was like something like it was American men judging like anywhere from like 40 to 70 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, you take American men from 40 to 70, most likely they're going to have some liver damage from alcohol and sugar and, you know, a yeah. poor lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, they don't, I don't think they see liver, I think there's there's some liver toxicity studies in Malaysia, but there there's just as much to show no liver toxicity. Like, there was one uh, that Dr. Singh did where he took blood from, because uh, you can find tons of guys in, uh, Malaysia and Thailand that have been drinking Kratom for 40 years or whatever. And, uh, you know, like he found like little to no liver toxicity or that wouldn't be more than in a regular population of, uh, men that age. Um, but I mean, that's, I, that's one I worry about. I, I worry about drug, drug interactions and, and liver, but it cannot be, I, I, that's definitely a big it, one. You can't make me believe for one second that it's more damaging than sugar and alcohol on your liver. No, uh, definitely not. And then that's yeah. the thing, the big thing about the, the drug like mixing. alcohol lights on fire. Like <laughs> there, there was a dude and we'll, we'll get to it. The, yeah, the, the, uh, the Brett Gruyere, um, there was somebody, yeah, yeah, somebody in that thread. I think it was the, um, what, what the fuck? Yeah. I Scott Gottlieb thread. Yeah, I don't. I, Garar, uh, the Scott yeah. Gottlieb thread. That was like, I don't know. We don't have enough information. We're gonna stick with the FDA on this one. And then the dude's picture was the Dosecki's most interesting man. That was his profile picture. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god, this is like, it's almost like too yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get into the details about why it shouldn't be legal and why they're just, but it's like. That you could just step back and say, dude, alcohol is illegal. Like my uh, brother-in-law works on a pipeline. He was asking me about Kratom this weekend. We were over their house for a picnic. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm like way overcautious. I'm like, okay, uh, if you start taking more, more if you keep, start increasing your dose, just take check yourself. And I'm, I'm like, I'll give them all the caveats, but I'm like, but it's like 10 times safer than alcohol. Like I'm drinking a beer telling him this and he's <laughs> drinking a beer and, it, and I'm like, Oh, there might be uh, some liver, but uh, yeah, it's just because I know too much about it. Good, the, I'm like, uh, ways it's, it's way safer than alcohol and it's it would think less addicting and if you do develop a, a habit uh, you know, you, it's not going to kill you probably. I don't, no, I, I don't I, think. 
I mean, I myself personally, and I know many others that the withdrawal is much more uh, manageable and not as intense as something as traditional opioids. But talking about beer with it, um, when I was at Rhode Island testifying at the Health and Human Services Committee, Senate committee hearing, one of the senators or one of the representatives was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's like, you know, all these deaths are popping up with, with mixing stuff. All you got to do is mix a couple beers with it and you could be dead. <laughs> Dude, I'll do I'll do respect. You're talking about mixing a deadly, a deadly chemical, deadly chemicals with something that's rather benign. I would definitely be dead if, uh, you know, <laughs> you took Kratom one day and off the next. Although I do try, I space them out because just, I'm just like cognizant of my liver just because I've drank so much for years. It definitely helps me. Kratom, it definitely helps me drink less not to i don't hope that's not a medical claim but uh but it's like on on the days i drink uh i won't have kratom and on the days i have kratom i won't drink and then you know eventually i'm probably just gonna leave the whole drinking behind but yeah i mean there's i've heard that from lots of our tougher on your body alcohol is definitely tougher on your body it's definitely toxic yeah and i've heard that from multiple of our customers and listeners that most recently someone used it. One of my customers and listener used it to get off of alcohol. And he's like, yeah. he kind of, he relapsed a little bit and then went back on to, um, you know, stopping drinking, going to Kratom. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. He's like, but there's like something in there that completely deters me from my cravings. Yeah, it, it really right. does. Like uh, I, I, when I do uh, like every year I'll do, I've been doing it more and more. I'll just do a month where I don't drink at all. And, and just since taking Kratom regularly, I drink a lot less than I used to. But uh, after that month, I'll sit down and maybe, I'll, okay, it's I'm a, it's the end of my month, or I did a couple months the, the one time. Uh, we'll, I'll have a glass of wine with dinner, and I can't even finish the glass. It's There is something that – I don't know what that is. But, I mean, we've looked it up. There's a new article about alcohol uh, too, but I don't know what the um, – like the mechanism is by why that happens. Uh, I had a guy, Joe Turner, that I interviewed one of the early pod, or I actually, I never did a podcast with him. I just interviewed him for a print uh, blog post. He was just started to take it for chronic pain because of construction worker his whole life. He started to get in his thirties and forties and feeling it. And, uh, and it, it, he said, you know, he used to come home and drink 12 pack every night. And he just, started taking less beer out of the fridge and then at this point he just didn't want anymore which is amazing i mean that's another thing that they're gonna find out in the future and study that that um it's just another benefit of it well i I think it's i think it's how it hits on the receptors and how it, it, it does you know a lot of the same stuff um a lot of those same happy feelings and yeah what i can say is it's it's like it's 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 a good it's good if you intend to get off alcohol with kratom. It's good because it's that feeling of well being that you're used to with a couple drinks. It's not the same feeling, but you at least don't have to sit in your dumb brain all day. That's my whole thing. <laughs> I, I just uh, want to get out of my head. That's why I couldn't yeah. sleep last night because I was in my stupid head. <laughs> oh yeah, but 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 the kratom will it'll be there to be like it'll give you a good mood at least for an hour or something like that. And that's kind of what alcohol, a lot of, a lot of people who alcoholics who stop drinking will get a sweet tooth and start. I mean, I do this too, but they'll start feeding that dopamine with ice cream or, or sweet 
or something like that. And uh, but you know, the kratom kind of does something like that, but you know, it's it's, it's healthier on you than a whole. Yeah, it's definitely like like especially when you start looking at it, something like that, like the harm reduction. Like I would much rather somebody have some ice cream or eat some candy than be drinking alcohol every night. Yeah, um, yeah. preferably neither. But everyone's got their yeah. own their own life. But yeah, what you're saying about you know all drugs be legal, maybe regulated. Here's where I've decided I stand on, it. and you know we're running out of time. But I, I don't care if if somebody should be able to sell crack down the street, you know, out of their out of their house or out of their store or whatever, yeah. as long as it's, well, once they start putting other stuff in it, if they're like, this is pure, you know, crack cocaine and yeah. they, they want to sell it. It's like, if there's arsenic in there or something or something, you know, it's cut with weird stuff. That's where I start having an issue with it when there's labeling issues and yeah, regulated, but then you start getting into, you know, government using force against peaceful people to make them do what they want. Um, so I mean, but we have we we have laws about this already. Like I don't see why kratom should should be any different than any other food. Yeah, yeah really. once it's labeled something different, that's where I have an issue with it. But if someone wants to go buy some poison from somebody and they know what they're getting, they're making an adult informed decision. Then the yeah, really. Pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, Do we go over everything with? Uh... I mean, basically, Girard sent a letter rescinding the uh, uh, HHS recommendation in 2018. That letter was hidden until this year. Uh, they, you know, they, I don't know why it was hidden. I was asking, I asked the journalist who I was talking to about this, and he said it was probably a deal, some kind of deal that wouldn't embarrass Gottlieb. But now they're, they're on Twitter going back and forth about it. Um, yeah, so let's 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 talk about that. Let's talk about the if you want to run us through the letter. Um, I mean, that was pretty explosive. It came out. You said 2018. Um, he wrote it in August of 2018, and and that's the same month uh, that Babin's uh, uh, document came out. And I think he read that document, and and the letter was. So the whole premise is the FDA has to make recommendation to the, and they have to go by an eight factor analysis. Proving. So HHS is above the FDA. It's all the executive branch, Department of Health and Human Service. The FDA falls under them. So HHS can overrule them, which is exactly what Brett Girard did when he was the assistant health secretary. That's the head of the HHS, I think. Uh, And there might be like a health sector. I don't know. Assistant health secretary. So he rescinded the recommendation for a ban, and that's where we're at now. Like the DEA can't well, hold, hold just on, hold on. So he he yeah. rescinded the ban. Nobody knew about it. But then yeah. you you wrote an article going back to Scott Lee, Scott Gottlieb's tweets at that same time. Yeah. You put out this whole tweet storm after. about how terrible it is, even after receiving this letter. So he knew about it. So the letter was from HHS, the DEA, rescinding a ban. So obviously he knew about it because he started tweeting a rant. He hardly ever talks about Kratom. He talks about all kinds of other stuff and whatever is going to get him on TV. But <laughs> he, it was the day after. So this was August 16th, 2018. And, the, and, the, and August 17th, Gottlieb was on there going nuts about how bad Kratom is. And but nobody knew about this letter. I think it was, I mean, it was a, it's a public document, but they didn't put it out. And so for two and a half years until uh, Representative Pocan, um, or is he a senator? I think he's a representative from uh, Wisconsin. I could be wrong, uh, but, but he's a Kratom 
advocate in Congress, Pocan. He was the one that discovered it, and they, on a uh, AKA webinar, they all released that information. And what the hell? I tweeted to Gerard. I'm like, thank you very much for that letter. I wish we would have known about it. I mean, he doesn't have many followers on Twitter, so he probably saw the tweet. Uh, and I'm like, why did we not know about it until then? So I think it was some kind of a political arrangement with Gottlieb to uh, not release that letter, which sucks for our community because we uh, we were under the impression that the DEA had this recommendation and it's only by their good graces that they weren't scheduling Kratom, but it was because that recommendation was rescinded. And that's where we sit now, I think. Rachel Levine is the new head assistant health secretary where Gerard was. She was appointed by Biden. She was from Pennsylvania, and she was considered a cannabis advocate in Pennsylvania, which I hope that is a good sign. Uh, she's a reason I'm, I can have a medical cannabis card legally because she extended uh, conditions by which you could legally have a medical card to anxiety and uh, whatever. I, mine was for anxiety. I hope that means they will continue this policy of not recommending a ban to the DEA because it's it's just go it's just built on a just shit pile of false premises and not even investigating not even investigate I mean when we were going over that Babin document I I was like why didn't they even try harder they could have tried harder <laughs> like it's it's so pathetic with like just omitting data and like like we can't look at the original case reports like anybody who understands how to find uh scientific journal articles online pubmed that's where you find them or go to hub and you can get them for free um but uh and anybody that can do that can can see that it's just like freshman chemistry uh f f work <laughs> well yeah paper. i mean at, at the time at the time, Nick Wing, um, when he was working at HuffPost, yeah, and I actually had them both on, Nick Wing and Chris Redding. Who I've been talking uh, to Nick about coming on my podcast too. Oh yeah, man, have him on. He's yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, he's um, cool. I listened to that one when when he was on yours. That was good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was another one of the <laughs> early ones. But yeah, they 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 found out so much information that I think really helped Jane Babin in her paper. You're saying that that Pennsylvania uh, cannabis advocate who is now in the HHS. Yeah, I mean, she's considered a cannabis advocate. She's just done a couple of good things for cannabis, but you know. So, so we have her, but then on the other side of it, uh, Scott Gottlieb, who's no, who's no longer at the FDA and who's just kind of running his mouth for Big Pharma. Then we have uh, Dr. Janet Woodcock, who put out the tweet about the U.S. FDA. She retweeted the U.S. FDA's tweet about the seizure in Florida with uh, 207,000 units of Kratom. And then she yeah. put out a tweet, there are currently no FDA ther approved therapeutic uses for products containing Kratom, and the FDA has identified significant safety concerns associated with yeah. its use. She just copy-pasted their, uh, you know, <laughs> go-to argument there. Yeah, it I see that like it. now. Yeah, and there was another interview with Gottlieb that uh, Melody Wolf posted uh, that I commented on from uh, Stat News, which is like a, a medical journal. Um, but he, it's, Gottlieb was saying, 
you know, there's the, the guy that's in there, Stephen Hahn, is from, uh, after Gottlieb decided to take a job at Pfizer, uh, he, he's still interim. So I think uh, Biden still has to appoint somebody. And it, it looks like, uh, you know, it might be her. Um, Biden is not good on, uh, on, um, on, you know, pot legalization or anything. He's still, yeah, that, that's, he's a, that's still they, drug. Yeah. So don't let they like, ran on the fact that he's a Democrat. Don't let him fool you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, but I forget what he was, wasn't, he just recently did something like, uh, uh something with the cannabis issue that is not good. And I, I just, I mean, he wanted to bust raves in the nineties. He, he was, and like his son helped write the crime bill, the drug addict. And Oh yeah. He helped write the crime. Well, bill. And that's crazy. I just found out that, uh, you know, I guess, you know, having a, an addict is in the family is really hard. I was you know, once addicted to heroin, but, um, mm-hmm. Reagan, who was super, you know, against drugs, his, his daughter was also an addict. Yeah. Like all these, all these people that were, that are, you know, so against drugs, but then they have them in, in their own family. And yeah. yeah I mean, cause their kids aren't going to get locked up cause they're the president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you think they yeah. would have some sympathy to handle this more as a, a mental health issue rather than a criminal issue. Yeah. And, and I think we're going that way because it just, it just does not make sense to lock somebody up because they have uh, uh, drug problems. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know and anybody that seriously believes that that doesn't have a stake in in it staying illegal. It's just, there are there are some people, nice. some some addicts that are like you know getting locked up was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, yeah, it was my rock bottom, and I've heard that. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it helped you or some somebody, but it's just not. It can't be applied to everybody to to put people lock them up in terrible oh, no, whole, conditions. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Overall, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna lean against that. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. So, Dr. Janet Woodcock of the FDA put up her tweet, and then the same guy. Okay, so let me go to Scott Gottlieb's tweet that he said um, he, he retweeted. Janet Woodcock tweet and said, we were prevented by HHS from moving forward with the scheduling of Kratom. And I'm convinced it's fueling the opioid addiction crisis, which is such bullshit. The Biden administration should follow through on efforts of FDA, NIH, DEA, which NIH was saying that the safety profile was was better. And then they changed something on their website. Um, And DEA and new ASH, which I don't know what that is, should affirm health findings of these agencies. Assistant Health Secretary. Okay. So we we can talk about both of these, but... The 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 man that created that HHS letter letter that said we we're going to be rescinding um, the recommendation because I forget his exact wording, but it's a uh, basically compromising like a, it could turn into a big health crisis with people turning back to opiates. And yeah, well he as, said that in know, the letter that, yeah, that yeah. they failed to, and he said it in the tweet that they failed to um, consider overall public health. Uh, which he, he said, he said, right. he said, FDA doesn't schedule. It only recommends FDA's recommendation was rejected because of embarrassingly poor evidence and data yeah. and a failure to consider overall public health. If Kratom yeah. is feeling, you needed hashtag Kratom is, is feeling opioid addiction, uh-huh. prove it. And then HHS ASH should reconsider. So I, 
I don't know if I don't think Gottlieb actually answered because he doesn't answer any tweets, but a bunch of the Kratom advocates hopped on both of these. And it's just so crazy that this is what we're dealing with. These are two divisions of the government that you said HHS is supposed to be giving FDA orders, right? Yeah, I mean, they're above uh, FDA is within the Department of Health and Health and Human Services. So it, this is all like in the executive branch of the government. But uh, yeah, HHS is above. So they can they can overrule them, which is exactly what he did, which is why Gottlieb was pissed. He was talking about. Oh, and he even said you uh, unilaterally. I think he replied to that tweet or something. And he said you unilaterally ended a years-long scientific investigation oh yeah and, i wish i had and that i read that on when we were doing we were going over ba- <coughs> excuse me babin's document and and this years-long scientific investigation is a freaking joke i mean it's literally like taking case reports this is what dr uh Kishé said on our podcast he says it's like literally literally taking case reports doing a search for my tragedy and death and then saying there's 44 deaths <laughs> and it's, there's no, there's no real investigation into whether my tra- tragedy was just happened to be in their system or it, it played a part in anything, which they should investigate because if, I mean, what if, uh, you know, you, you're taking some kind of antidepressant and there's, you know, 10 people that died uh, with just Kratom and that antidepressant. I mean, there's that's not the case but if it was it should be investigated and not just thrown up there like an advertising campaign against kratom which is essentially what they were doing and to me it's essentially what these big seizures amount to is just as campaign it makes kratom seem illegal so when when you're seizing in on the news you don't really know much about the kratom issue uh you might see like a uh gas station or smoke shop near you that has uh we have kratom in the window you're gonna go to the police complain about it and it's gonna you know it's it's basically a propaganda it's it's like reefer madness all, all over again uh you know it just doesn't really amount to other than them trying to eventually get the DEA to ban Kratom, which hopefully they won't. And I'm hoping to maybe even it would be helpful to uh, write a letter to the new uh, uh, health secretary and, and, you know, say, please maintain the, <laughs> that policy of not recommending a ban. But um yeah, and it's it's yeah like the new leafer madness. Uh, Le- leafer madness is what I like to call it. Um, leafer madness. Yeah, <laughs> I was just looking for the Scott Gottlieb reply. Um, I think he might have retweeted it. Yeah, he might have quote tweeted it. Um, there's like so much shit of his recently about COVID. And- yeah. Okay. It's true. Brett Gerwar unilaterally overruled a considered multi-year scientific effort by NIH, FDA, and DEA, and a careful analysis (laughs) (laughs) and an act I found hasty and ill-conceived. He overruled the findings made by the prior career ash. I believe (laughs) public health suffered as a result. Uh, yeah, no, you're, that's completely wrong. 
Jeez. Yeah. I, scientific effort. Like, show me the science because it is certainly not there. And, and, and the way they handle the case reports and put into the FAIRS database. The DEA just took their consideration and, and they, for years, I mean, they've been basing it. This is what it's based on for years. All their comments, they're still, they were still using the deaths in Sweden that, that had uh, deadly levels of O-desmethyl tramadol in, in the Kratom product. It's, it was called Krypton. They were still using that. They used that to justify the 2012 import alert. And they continue to just quote this ab- absolute bullshit science it isn't even science. It's 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 like a bad paper by by you know a freshman, you know, well, history major. <laughs> what's even more important with that um, that import alert, and this is what I try to tell a lot of people, is that they're like you know, it prevents any vendor that wants to sell and wants to do it, you know, quote unquote, we legally under these such odd guidelines is that they, if they import it, they have to put not for human consumption because if they sell it as a dietary supplement, then they can get in trouble, just like this company. So you have to import it as not for human consumption. Then you have to sell it as not for human consumption. And then when you have a customer that wants to call or or write in and say, hey, I'm thinking about purchasing this, how much do I take? Or should I mix it with this medication? And really rule number one is don't mix with anything. But it's just so crazy. Like I always say that elderly people, a lot of elderly people shouldn't be having coffee. They're not going to drink coffee. They're on heart medication. And having a cup of coffee could seriously jeopardize their health and maybe even kill them. So you got something like Kratom. It's in the same family. You know, Not everybody should be taking Kratom. And the vendors should be able to speak openly about consuming it safely. The lawsuit that that family kid that uh, was died in a car accident from Pennsylvania, uh, they the lawsuit was claiming, okay, this uh, company it was like uh, some place in Southern California. Uh, they didn't put any uh, dosage recommendations on the label. This is what their lawyer was saying, and I'm like, this is an article. This is years ago. This is one of my first. Well, there's a recent one too out of Washington. Yeah. wrongful death. Oh, really? Yeah. But but the, but I was saying it's like the company's not allowed to put those kinds of recommendations on on their packaging, you know, because it's it's like uh, I don't know if they're you're not allowed to put dosage recommendations. I mean, in some of the no, states you have the KCPA, right? You are, I think, or you're supposed to. But that I mean, this I'm like these poor people. They, this is they think kratom killed their son, and this is their lawyer, and he's full of it. Like he doesn't know. What he's talking about because this company aren't they're not allowed to put that on on the uh packaging so yeah it's kind of such a weird there just needs to be a new uh or i mean it could it could be marketed as a dietary or something if, if there's a shipment that has salmonella they could seize it just like any other dietary supplement apparently but, apparently that's what the uh import alert is supposed to be for it's supposed to be yeah. for specific batches that if yeah. they were worried about a batch then with a certain company, it's not supposed to just be like broadly over any type of food or dietary supplement. Yeah. I mean, that's like putting like, you know, spinach up there forever because then one, yeah. one batch had salmonella. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So that, that's what, that's what Matt Hatto from the AKA was saying that the whole thing was done illegally and, and very poorly. Man, it's like, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I wish, you know, there would be, I mean, I, I don't know who has the resources. Some 
kind of lawsuit that challenges their jurisdiction to even do this because they haven't proven that this is a dangerous substance or an adulterant. They're calling that an adulterant. And, and by the way, they have been calling that an adulterant for since the import first import alerts, and nothing's new. I mean, I've seen just a couple of things that suggest that they're using new language now and watch out. But uh, I don't think they are, but the, the language they are using isn't justified. So I, I, I hope there can be some kind of a lawsuit that challenges their – just whole premise as to why there there should there's an there's import alert that's not you know regular unadulterated pure kratoms yeah shouldn't be uh shouldn't be treated as a as salmonella itself you know really, yeah so and that's something mac was talking about that they were looking at getting a um a lawsuit together i don't think anything's happened from it but i found out not too long ago that apparently that's what they were they're using the deshay act dietary supplements mm-hmm. get the rest of it to basically say that oh if it was used in america i think before 93 then 94 yeah 94 then it's that it could be considered a food but if it hasn't been used before that that we have like we have no idea what it is and we can't study it we, there's no way of food I know. I'd like to contact like because I've heard this before too, and I can't believe anybody that like owned a head shop or something back there couldn't be back then couldn't be contacted and be like, "Do you have any old records?" I mean, everything was on paper then. That's the whole thing. Apparently, there are there are some um, like some Southeast Asian stores or some Asian stores that that had it, but everything's paper. Everything's written down, so it's nothing like really hard copy. So yeah, it's just it's just hard, but it's a, it's an excuse. I really just see it as an excuse for them to be able to go after it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know. This whole story was really really just crazy to me, and how it all came together with the most recent seizure, the import alert of 2012 was the first time they keep renewing yeah. it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these these uh, these tweets from HHS and Gottlieb and the FDA. It's just so crazy. And then there was this reason article, which we won't get into. But oh yeah, yeah. Right. So that, that was that was good. I'm glad that that kind of article got into a uh, uh, relatively popular site. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I some of their links they had too, where they linked some other pretty good articles that they had. But yeah, they uh, the media just gets a hold of this stuff and just regurgitates it, and then people who have no idea about kratom see it and they think it's the most terrible thing. It's like research chemicals are are crack. Yeah, and it didn't help that it came up at the same time as uh, K two spice and bath salts and all that stuff. It kind and of, all these head shops are selling it right next to each other in the shiny yeah. packaging. Yeah, and and the marketing uh, just didn't help. It should have been marketed as like matcha or tea. I, like I tell people, I think if, you know, if, uh, if, uh, white people were using Kratom before 1900, uh, every grandmother would have her in her cupboard next to her, uh, decaf <laughs> coffee and vanilla wafers and hard candy. I think so. <clears throat> I think you're right. Cause I'm uh, a, like, I'm about to give some to my mom in her seventies cause she, she's having mobility issues. We gave some to my mother-in-law and yeah. tea drinking it as tea is loose leaf tea is a lot more of, um, you know, learning curve, kind of shave that down. 
get rid of the learning curve. But yeah, she was using it because she had a knee operation and she's really hurting before and after. And it's yeah. like, I think she maybe used a quarter of the pain meds they gave her because she said she didn't like the way it made her feel. So she could yeah. still take Kratom and either get some sleep at night or be uh, lucid and aware during the day. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, you know, check with your doctor. We're not doctors. So don't listen to what we're saying. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, that's just I, somebody's I, experience. <laughs> yeah. This is our, this is personal experience and <laughs> wait, there will be a disclaimer in the beginning, but I mean, she really enjoyed I it. There's disclaimers on my podcast too, but yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it does anything or does the same thing for everybody. That's an important thing to point, point out. I too. think, yeah, I'll say it again. I think that's really important that Kratom isn't for everybody. You know, these uh, yeah. herbal, herbal medicines like Kratom cannabis, it's not for everybody. But as Dr. Uma says that along with, with cannabis, and I say it about Kratom, that it shouldn't be a last resort. It should be a first line defense type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that does it. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm going to um, put yeah, up man. these articles, all the links. Anything else you want to go over? No, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Okay, so uh, yeah, Kratom Science. Thank you. I'll shout you out, yeah. Thanks again, Brian. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks. And uh, congrats on the new baby. Oh, thank you. Yep. All right. Bye. Take care. So that about does it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you made it this far, I fucking love you. Thank you for listening. Your guys' support means everything. Big thank you to Organa Kratom for sponsoring this episode. Organa Kratom, organic, raw, natural. That's organacratom.com. And don't forget about that $100 giveaway from Organa, organicratum.com slash the Kratom Guy Show to win $100 gift card, no strings attached. Remember, Mass Herbal Market is going to be reopening next week, massherbalmarket.com. We're going to have a bunch of products on clearance, so definitely check that out. Big savings there, and you'll be supporting the show. Again, feel free to call or text me anytime. I'm happy to chat Kratom. You don't have to purchase Kratom for me to chat. If you have any questions, anything, you enjoy the show. I love getting your messages. Kratom has helped you. 617-917-5242. 617-917-5242. I love hearing the success stories. The Kratom success stories or the medical cannabis success stories or great health and wellness stories. You can hit me up on Twitter at Kratom Guy Show. My Instagram if you want to see what I'm up to. In my daily life, if you want to see the Harvard Coyote that I've named Harvey that hangs out in the soccer field that I see every once in a while, check out my my IG, really my go. You can support our work on Patreon. Follow the link in the description or patreon.com slash show. Support starts as, as little as $3 a month. But your listens, your likes, shares, subscribes, if you're on Apple Podcasts, a review and a five-star really helps the algorithm. I can get three, four people to do that per show. So definitely do it. Give us a rating. It, it really helps other people listen to the other people find the show and then other people listen and it continues and then we can keep spreading this message. So thank you again so much for tuning in. Till next time, together, we'll keep Kratom legal, safe, and available for all. Peace.